0: Thank you. We will be reading this evening from Mark chapter 12, um, and we'll be looking at verses 28 to 34. So if you'd like to turn to that, Mark 12, verses 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and the second is this love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these well said teacher the man replied you are right in saying that god is one and there is no other but him But to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any questions. Amen. And may God bless this reading of his word. Well, you guys are very discerning. You realize that I am not Brendan. Um, Please pray for him. He is not well. So at very short notice, um, I've stepped in to do this service this evening. So I haven't gone into Mark 13 as we should have. Um, I had a look at Mark 13 and I thought in the time space I have, I cannot do that passage justice. So hopefully I'll get Brendan to bring that next week. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. So I snuck back into pastor alvin's territory he spoke on uh, mark 12 last week and we will just do this and hopefully you'll get something out of this message but uh obviously it wasn't well organized and uh hopefully it'll be a blessing we'll go from there so let's just pause and pray father god regardless of what has happened we want to just hear from you we want the truth of your word to be revealed to us and so father we ask that you will speak to us through what is said this evening we ask we'll have open hearts and minds to hear from you and that we'll respond to you and we pray this now in Jesus name amen when we consider Christianity I would be very surprised uh, if there were many people who wouldn't say that this passage that I'm about to put up outlines the mission of the church and that's Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is the Great Commission, something that we all know. And I believe it is what every Christian is called to do. And I don't believe it's reserved for the pastors and teachers or evangelists. I believe that it's a responsibility of each and every one of us. And I believe we all have the ability to influence those we come into contact with for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why this is a universal teaching for Christians everywhere. And what we don't often understand is that this is the mission. But in order to carry out this mission, we must first align ourselves with God We take the great commission as an assignment from God, but we seem to miss the call from God to be aligned with him and his purpose in our lives. And so in order to be able to make disciples and to instruct them in all that God has commanded us as this calls us to, we need to first and foremost be those disciples. And some would say that's pretty obvious, and you're right. But we're living in a time when we're so busy in our churches and yet are producing less and less fruit than we ever have before. And it would seem that we're busy, busy doing rather than being. And this passage that we read out this evening is an incredible encounter in Scripture. This teacher of the law is coming to Jesus and he's not asking Jesus what laws he needs to be Obeying. He's asking Jesus, What is at the heart of the commandments? What is it that I should be doing? Or what is it that God is saying to us in these commandments that He has given us? And Jesus gives an answer that's straight down the line for every Jew that hears Him speaking. And what He says is a direct quote from the Shema, the daily confession of Israel, that begins with a declaration that God and only God and that we are to love, oh sorry, God is the only God, and that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's significant that Jesus quoted this passage as I believe he fulfilled this requirement in his own life. And I also believe that this is what is at the heart of discipleship. If I were to ask you why Jesus came to this earth, I think there'd be a ton of answers. And I don't think They would necessarily be wrong. I think a lot of the answers, even though they were different, would be true. But I'm sure that some of you would say that he came to rescue us. I'm sure that you would say that he came to die for us. I'm sure that you would say that he came to show his love to us. And all that is true. But have you noticed that we have made all those answers about us? What if it isn't just about us? What if there's another reason? What if Jesus came with an overarching motivation? In John 14, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. He's telling them the last few things that he's going to get to say before he is arrested and they're separated and he has to go and face the cross. And the very last verse in John 14 is this. But I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. Jesus came to do as his father commanded him. So the world, you and I would know that Jesus loved the father. And this is key to everything that Jesus did. This is what is laying behind it. And when we think about the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus fervently prays, where he was suffering so much, sweating drops of blood because of the hardship that he was going to go through and the stress that was upon him at that time, knowing the anguish, the pain, and the incredible suffering he was about to face. He begs the Father to allow this cup to pass him by. He cries out, God, if there is any other way for this to happen, if there's any other way we can do this, let's do it that way, Lord. Please, Father. But because Jesus loves the Father. Because Jesus wants us to know that loving the Father is outworked by obedience. He says, not my will, but your will be done. And this is the sum focus, what discipleship is all about. Not my will, but your will be done. And it doesn't matter about what we do, what we achieve, how holy we look, how eloquently we sound, how many big words we can use. The bottom line is for each and every one of us, do you love God? let's go back to that scribe that Jesus was talking to in Mark 12 the scribe says you are right teacher you've truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him and to love him with all your heart with all your understanding with all the strength and all the love and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices and this teacher of the law knows scripture very well He would most likely be able to quote large portions by memory. And when he hears Jesus' answer, he would have immediately been thinking of the Shema that we mentioned earlier. And he states that Jesus has answered well, and he affirms that to love God with all your heart, and with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is greater than all burnt offerings and sacrifices and we see that this scribe is moving from the bondage of simply doing the sacrifices simply doing the ceremonial things and he's beginning to gain an understanding of the supremacy of moral law he's moved to a point where he's close to subjecting his own will to that of God and Jesus speaks again to this teacher and he states that he is not far from the kingdom of God and it's interesting that's the end of the story we don't hear any more about this teacher he has not chosen to follow jesus at this stage for all of his understanding it's interesting that when jesus says what he does the ruler is silenced he doesn't say more. And so we have to understand that to be in the kingdom is not just about approving of Jesus. It's not just about looking upon him and saying he's a great teacher. He did awesome things. It's about submitting totally to Jesus and his authority in our life. It's about giving up myself and asking him to take over. Right here, we see that our call is to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and all of our strength. It's a personal call to love God. And it goes further. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And this, my friends, is a call to allow God's love to flow through us to others. We're not called to love God in isolation, but we're called to love our neighbors. And the definition of a neighbor in the Bible is basically anyone who's above ground, living and breathing. All mankind. They're our neighbours. And the thing to remember though is that the command to love God comes first. When we think about that, we need to realise we are not defined by how much we serve, how much we sacrifice, how much or how well we sing worship songs, but we're defined by how much we love. Peter denied knowing Christ, and when Jesus restores him, the only thing Jesus asks is if Peter loves him. And when Jesus speaks about how the world will know that we are his disciples, John 13 tells us that it is how we love one another. What is key here is that this is a new law. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And I wonder, is there anywhere else in the Bible where people are told to love one another? That should be yeah. Thank you. Whew. I was a little worried there. Of course there is. There's lots of places where we're told to love others. And so what is it that is going on here? Back in Leviticus 19:18, there is a command to love your neighbor as yourself. So what is before us here is not exactly new. So what is it that Jesus is talking about when he says that I give you this new com- new commandment? And it's because what they're being called to do here is to love each other with the type of love that Jesus modelled. He lived it out for them. He showed them how they could do this. And the pin- pinnacle of Jesus' love is the love that he has for his father. Is what characterises or makes their relationship so distinct. Jesus loves God so much he's willing to submit to God's will. Again, that's in John 14, 31. And Jesus expresses God's love for him in John 15:9 to 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so what we are called to do is not that love that we understand and know, but the love that Jesus knows. It's a love that is expressed through committed obedience. And in the John 13 passage where it says that people will know that we are Christ's disciples because of how we love each other, is not about just being nice to each other. This new love, this love of, that Jesus is speaking of, is a love that costs. It's a love that in our situation here makes us willing to leave our friends and walk across the room to say hi to someone that we don't know. It's a love that causes us to sit With that person who's sitting on their own rather than sitting with our friends it's a love that forgives our brothers and sisters over and over again and to do so joyfully think of what it was like in jesus day we don't have this today not in australia but people would be walking down the street crying out unclean unclean, so that the clean wouldn't come into contact with them. And they would be people who were rejected and pushed out of society. And no one would come anywhere near them. No one would touch them. And when Jesus came, when he wanted to show the love of God, he broke down all those social barriers. And Jesus not only touched these people, he embraced them. He loved them. He crossed that social barrier. And Jesus was considered a priest. And yet he didn't worry about touching these people and be considered unclean. We're called to do the same. That's the type of love that we're called to show. It's a love that thinks of others before oneself. It's a love that loves unreservedly. It's a love that looks beyond hurt, injury, and hate. It's a love that looks at every human being as being made in God's image. And this is the love that Jesus speaks of. This is his new commandment. It's a love that I don't have. It's a love that I find very difficult. But when I begin to love God, when I see how much he sacrificed for me, and when I pray, God, your will be done in my life, and i make myself available to him to be used by him for his glory and his purposes, that love begins to grow. And believe it or not, Once upon a time, I was a racist. God's got a really bizarre sense of humor. Yeah, there's people laughing because they know I'm married to a Chinese lady. I also spent four years working with the indigenous on the streets in Rockhampton, something I never thought I would ever do. And those were some of the greatest times I had. I mean, those people were seriously messed up. But I loved them so much. They're some of the greatest days I've had. And that's not my love. It's impossible, I, I can't love people like that. That's a love that God gave me. And the defining question for us here today, is not, have you served God? It's not, how much have you sacrificed or given for him? The defining question is, do you love him? We'll just keep coming back to that. I think it's very sad that we've reached a point where many are powerless and really spiritual impotent to show the love that the Lord would have us to show. But we need to seriously think about God's word. We are called, Jesus says clearly, that to love is better than sacrifice. We need to love, we need to show that love. Have we loved God? And I, <laughs> I really mean it. Have we sought to spend time just growing to love him more? Um, for those who are courting and dating, it's crazy, isn't it? You just wanna spend as much time as possible with that person. And um, for those of us who have just got those memories of way back when, I've been married for 20 years this year to my good wife, but I, I, I remember um, just wanting to spend time with Elena. I remember that I was willing to put up with so many things. Um, I, I The time I met Elena, I had a pretty hot car. You young people won't know what it is. It was a 72 GT Capri V6, Um, quite a rare car now. And I've got to tell you, it was hot. It it was painted um, wild plum and uh, don't think wild plum, because, you know, Wild Plum, you're thinking this nice purpley colour, it was hot pink in daylight, it really was. And people used to wave to the car. I'd have friends in my car, and all these people would be waving. They'd go, Oh, Charlie, how do you know all these guys? I said, I don't. they go, like, Are you kidding? I said, It's the car, dude. So uh, my car is actually still on the drag scene. It's one of the most popular cars on the drag scene up north. Um, that's my car. I built that car. And uh, it, it was an awesome car. But being that type of car, it didn't have air conditioning. I was living in Rockhampton when I met Elena. I had very big exhaust pipes and extractors that ran very close to the floor. I had carpet in that car, but it made no difference. It was about 70 degrees on the floor of that car. And Elena, as you know, if she was here tonight, she would have a ski jacket on. You know that, hey? Yeah, yeah, you've seen my wife with that duck-down jacket on at this temperature. So she jumps into my car regularly and she winds the heater away up, and I'm driving along with sweat pouring off my forehead. Did I say anything? No. I was in love. I was willing to sacrifice. I remember she did that once, then she looked over, she saw the sweat pouring off my head, and she's like, Are you okay? It's like, It's a bit hot in here. I'll put it in context. It's a bit hot in here. That's how the car used to move. But anyway, we do crazy things when we're in love. I remember another time with Elena. Um, She'd never been to Bundaberg. I dropped her off at her house at about one o'clock in the morning. I said, you want to go to Bundy? I'll be back at four o'clock to pick you up. We did. We went to Bundy for the day. Absolutely crazy. But you do crazy things when you're in love. I want you to think about the quiet times you have with God. Is it a similar love? Because you know what? We should love God. I should love God more than I love Elena some of us and I was once one of these people can't even muster five minutes for God how sad is that when we think about what he did for us we should be able to spend time with him each and every day quality time and I want to challenge you make an appointment with God put it in your diary do not break it have that time with God and just spend it with him. And there's some of you here tonight who I'm working through with at the moment, doing a Bible study with each day. If you can't do this, please send me a message and say, Charlie, I'm struggling with this. Can we do this together? I'll include you in that and we can back and forth with what we're studying that day. So you can build a passion and hunger for God's word. Because trust me, when you get that passion and hunger, when you engage with God, when you know he wants to be a part of your life, you won't ever let that go. And when you hit the dark valleys in your life, trust me, it's not going to make you euphoric in those deep dark times but it's going to give you comfort because you will know his presence, you will know his power, you will know his love, you will know his assurance and more than any of that you will know that you have a hope in the future that you're going to have an eternity with him in glory, no more sin, no more pain, no more heartache how awesome is that going to be but you can't have that assurance if you don't build your relationship with God, it's simply not possible. So I want, I want us to engage with the word. I want us to just learn from God. I don't want us to skim over that. We need to immerse ourselves in it. I, I think too we have this habit. We have these prayers that become shopping lists of the things that we want. What we need to do is to pause and ask God what he wants us to pray. It's an incredible thing to do. And it's interesting. I've prayed for a number of people. I've been with a number of people who've gone through that journey um, to terminal cancer of being there um, until they die. And it's, it's interesting having that journey with people. And in the midst of that, you know, we, we have this habit. When someone comes to us and says, I've been diagnosed with terminal cancer, can you pray for me? We just default straight away to, well, they must want us to pray for healing. And we just go there straight away. And I, I want to ask how many of us actually say, if someone says, can, can you please pray for me? This is the situation I'm facing. Do we, is the first question? The first question should be, how can I pray for you? It's amazing how often they say something you're like, wow, that wasn't what I was expecting. And I've got to tell you, with, with the number of these people who were terminal, Um, and, And I said to them, I said, how can I pray for you? And you know, some people might say, well, that's pretty obvious. And the ones that really blew me away were the ones that said, I want a closer relationship with Jesus. That was their first request. Of course they want to be healed. But first and foremost, they want a closer relationship with Jesus. They want to walk with him. And so, so often we think we know what we should be praying for this person. How much more we think we know what we should be praying to God. And we should just get on our knees and say, God, teach me how to pray. Well, what can I pray today, Lord? There's these situations. How can I be praying for those people? Will you, will you guide me in my prayer, Lord? Will you allow me to understand how I should be praying in this situation? I love gathering with people to pray. I love the prayer meetings that we have. And guys, honestly, we get somewhere between 6 and 12. It's you guys that are missing out, not them it's an incredible prayer time we love gathering together we hear good news stories we agree with each other in prayer and our prayers become conversations with God and sometimes his presence is so powerful we're just blown away we end up kneeling on the floor that's powerful prayer we meet fortnightly be there come and experience it it's absolutely fantastic we love love doing that but There's times we need to just give space for God, to hear his cry, what he wants us to do, how he wants us to pray, how he wants us to engage with him. We come to this place on a Sunday, and I'm not rubbishing you for doing that. I think it's fantastic. I love gathering with God's people, and we should be doing it. But do our actions here reflect our love for God? What's your attitude when you walk in the door? Are you thinking about... Possum, are you thinking about who you should be sitting with are you thinking about who may or may not be here you're thinking about where you're going to go to supper are you thinking about lord i want to come and i want to engage with you i want to be part of this service i want to come into your presence and how many of you throughout the service are on your phones doing other things rather than reading the word or taking notes rather than wanting to engage with God and hearing from him. And we have people who have this focus on serving in the church, and that is great. And I, I, it surprises me with these people who serve in the church who have an appearance of holiness, and you ask them about their relationship with God, but, and that's all they tell you about. They tell you, well, I'm part of the worship team, or I help out with youth. I'm part of the boys' brigade, girls' brigade, whatever it is. I don't want to hear about that i want to hear about your relationship with god i want to hear about what he's teaching you each and every day i want to hear about what he's showing you in his word i want to hear about how you're engaging with him and he's calling you to do greater things for him in the community they're the things that matter not the sacrifices and service you make within the church he doesn't want you to serve if you don't love him Revelation 3, 15 and 16 says, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. What that you would either be hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And this is the church of Laodicea. This is a church that was so pumped for God and Jesus at one stage. This is a people who knew God and something went wrong along the way. Maybe they became a little bit smug. Maybe they were happy with where they were at. And we see that, God doesn't want them to be where they are. And he wishes that they're either hot or cold. But because they're neither, they're lukewarm. And the correct translation is, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And for me, that's not a good place for a person to be. This church in Laodicea, and any church for that matter, who once knew the way of righteousness and have let that slip are in a worse state than they were when they started out. It's worse than if they had never known God and God's going to spew them out of your mouth. In Zephaniah, God also says at that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in the hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. God knows our hearts and the church of Laodicea were judged because of how they conducted themselves and, um, in Jerusalem and that and, and then the book of Zephaniah was also sorry and Jerusalem was also judged in the book of Zephaniah by God and God dragged those people from hiding in Zephaniah he found where they were he found them regardless of where they hid and it's the same for so many of us as Christians we hide the truth of who we are we fool those around us we fool the pastors and we fool other church leaders but you can't fool God God knows your hearts if you're not loving him first and foremost your service has no value it's worthless you've received your reward reward in full let's pray Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I want to thank you first and foremost that you want relationship with us. You want us to engage with you. And so, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here, me included, Lord, that we will engage with your word continuously, that we'll have a desire to meet with you each and every day, that we will read your word, Lord, we will hear your voice, and more than that, we will respond to what you call us to do. Father, I ask for each and every one of us that will be drawn closer to you this week. And Lord, I pray for each and every person here, everyone who can hear my voice, Lord, that if they need to do business with you, if they're struggling with spending time with you, I I ask, Lord, that they'll have the courage to come forward and say that. They'll have the courage to send me a message and ask for help. Lord, we want to grow people in faith. Lord, what a tragic thing it would be to stand in glory with you. And to not have all these people with us. Lord, soften our hearts to you, I pray. Give us a hunger and a desire for more of you. And let us pursue you all the days of our life, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.